Hello and welcome back to the Going Deutsch podcast, a look at the wonderful world of German football that King Charles III likes so much that he decides to visit Germany as a result of listening to this podcast. Of course, that's unofficial, uh, the palace would never say that, but I'm sure it's absolutely true. It absolutely is not true. But yeah, so it's a fitting analogy actually because i'm recording this earlier than usual and uploading it earlier than usual because i am actually going to germany myself and that means i actually have to finish this podcast way faster because i'm not taking my podcasting equipment with me even i am not that sad but yeah it'll be nice to actually finally visit and i'm sure i'll have a lovely review of studying and out first of i once i get back but before I can actually travel to Germany, there is a lot of German football to talk about. So welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. If you want to have a look at how German football was last week with regards to the German national team and with how the Dritter Liga went as well, you can find that out by going to the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com where I did an article version of Going Deutsch for the national team and for the Dritter Liga as well. So give that a read if you want to. It's nice to actually be able to finally promote a new article on this podcast and say I've actually written something and published it so that's nice and obviously the international break we saw a lot of Niklas Fulkrug which is always a good thing but there were also a few really fascinating games in the Dritter League as well the obvious one being the Alversberg game give it a read if you want to find out how they did in their push for back-to-back promotions but anyway that was last week and we are here to talk about this week there was a lot to talk about this week obviously i open these podcasts by saying the wonderful world of german football but let's face it german football is sometimes wonderful and it is sometimes depressing and i think we're going to prove that in this episode the spider bundesliga segment is going to be very fun for me to go through the bundesliga segment not as fun, but there were a few highlight moments. We'll obviously be started with the Bundesliga, but before we do, there are a few news stories that I want to talk about. First of all, the Bundesliga and DFB have started their Stop Racism campaign, which is very nice to see. Obviously, the battle against racism continues both inside professional sports and outside as well. We've seen a lot of stories this year in the world of football to do with racial abuse and, of course, outside the world of football as well. And the fight against it hasn't stopped and it's nice to see the DFB and Bundesliga taking this initiative forward. Two stories as it pertains to the Bundesliga as well. Nico Kovac was reportedly offered the Tottenham job earlier in the week. You might know that they got rid of Conte after his lads it's Tottenham press conference. And they've been looking for a new manager since they've... Apparently been really interested in Julian Nagelsmann, but Julian Nagelsmann isn't interested in them. Apparently he is interested in Chelsea though, so he could be going there, which sucks. But more on that if he gets that job, if he takes that job as well. They'd be foolish not to try and hire him, but he might not be interested in going back into club management yet. We'll have to see. After trying with Nagelsmann and failing with Nagelsmann, they decided Tottenham to go for Niko Kovac. He has apparently turned them down as well. They're the Wolfsburg manager who is finding his footing in the Wolfsburg job after a rocky start. I think it's safe to say at the beginning of his season. Didn't want to move on to Spurs. And to be honest, I perfectly understand it's a sideways step, realistically. I think obviously Tottenham could have probably offered him more money, but... With what happened with Conte, do you really want to be going into that situation from a stable job? Because he, it feels like Kovac is going to be at Wolfsburg for a while now. And going from that stable position to a Spurs squad that is not only in need of a massive rebuild, but is absolutely not a positive atmosphere at the moment. It feels like it'd be a bad decision for him. He's clearly for that as well. And so he decided not to take the job. Another new story we need to go into before we go into the fixtures themselves. Köln have been handed a transfer ban by FIFA for the next two transfer windows. I think this means that they're not allowed to sign any players from any of the clubs. So they are allowed to renegotiate contracts. And I think they might be allowed to sign free agents as well. But I'm not sure about that part. 
So this has happened because of the transfer of Yaka Kuba to Köln last year. According to a report from Kicker, it's been suggested that Köln instigated the then 16-year-old to terminate his contract with his Slovenian club, a club who I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name of, so we just won't bother before signing for Köln on a free transfer. This means that his Slovenian club missed out on a significant transfer fee. Cuba himself has been suspended for four months. Köln have also been expected to pay a €54,000 fine to the other club. So obviously Köln are going to appeal this and it is worth noting that other clubs who have been caught in similar situations or who have been accused and punished for similar things have been able to successfully negotiate their ban down in the Court of Arbitration for Sport. There's a few things that's weird about this for me which is that first of all Kona paid this fine of €54,000 to this Slovenian club, which feels like the ultimate lose-lose because Köln have to pay a fine and the Slovenian club are probably still not getting the amount of money they would have got if they'd been able to sell this player. But the other thing that's weird for me about this is that surely they have to prove that Köln actively encouraged this guy to run his contract down or to terminate his contract. They can't just say oh, well, this guy broke his contract and then suddenly signed for Köln. Clearly, Köln were encouraging this without any solid evidence. That's just nothing, really. So it'll be interesting to hear if there is actually any solid evidence that Köln did this. Either way, I think it's clear that Köln are going to be appealing this and that, in all likelihood, based on how other clubs have been able to negotiate their bands down, they're probably going to have it for one transfer window as opposed to two. But, yeah... Really weird story that sort of came out of nowhere for Köln. Okay, with that out of the way, it's time to go into the fixtures then from the Bundesliga. And I feel like there's one clear place to start off. Well, one clear place to start off I actually want to start off with. And that's Leipzig nil Mainz 3. This was quite the turn up for the books. Obviously, before the international break, Leipzig lost to Bochum. Uh, they were expected to turn around at home against Mainz, and they really didn't do that. Mainz got off to a really fast start in this game, a really good start. They took the lead in the ninth minute through Marcus Ingvartsen. The best of the action, though, was to come in the 57th minute. Ludovic Ajork, if there is only one thing you watch from the Bundesliga this weekend, make it the Ludovic Ajork goal against Leipzig because it was absolutely ludicrous. A side foot first time hit into the top corner that was behind him. Because he was, you know, facing away from goal when he shot it. And yet he got it into the top corner that was, well, pretty much behind him directly. It is going to be a major contender for Bundesliga goal of the season. It was absolutely sensational. I don't think I can justify it with what I say. It was just truly spectacular. It's one of those goals you're going to remember for a very long time. Because it was absolutely sensational. Dominic Kerr getting the other goal for Mainz. Not as good, but still a really good finish. A neat first-time hit from outside the box into the bottom corner. In most games, that would be the best goal of game, but it wasn't quite as good as Ludovic Ajork's goal. That was absolutely fantastic. So, 3-0 the full-time score. Obviously, in situations similar to this, you know, you have a weaker side on paper going in to one of the stronger sides in the league and they get this big result and it doesn't feel like it aligned with what happened on the pitch and you know the scoreline doesn't quite reflect how the game went and this is true of this game the scoreline doesn't reflect how the game went but that's only because mines were actually even better than a 3-0 win they were absolutely dominant in this game they were so easily the better side they could have won 5 or 6-0 and no one would have batted an eyelid they were just sensational from Robin Zentner in the goal all the way to Ludovic Ajork, who might have had the best game of any player in the Bundesliga this weekend. He was amazing. Dominic Kerr having a great game. Anton Stach playing really well. Leandro Barrero, you know, you could honestly probably name the entire mine side because everyone played sensationally for them. This was a real turn up for the books. Both Svensson's side 
were just all conquering in this match and obviously continuing to move up the Bundesliga table eighth only one point behind Eintracht Frankfurt in sixth they could still mount a charge for while well, they are mounting a charge for Europe they could easily get into the European places and Bo Svensson would deserve that with how his side have been playing so far this season obviously it takes two to tango and whilst we should be praising Mines for just how well they played in this game and for Bo Svensson's tactics, how he really neutralised Leipzig's attack and made them well, practically non-existent for the entire game, it is also worth mentioning that you know Leipzig probably should be doing better and it feels like the honeymoon period for Marco Rosa is very much over because obviously the defeat against Bochum last week was bad. They, they weren't particularly good in that game. And then this week against Mainz, easily the second best side. There are going to be questions asked about what they do from here. I don't think they're going to sack him. They could, but I don't think it's got to that yet. Also, I completely forgot to mention, of course, they lost 7-0 to Manchester City in the Champions League, which... Also probably isn't helping Marco Verza in keeping his job. But I, I do feel like if they were to sack him, and we're at that stage where it's a possibility, but if they were, it would be in the summer, which does obviously also give him a window to help save his job. But clearly, if he doesn't turn it around quickly, then he will be under threat of losing his job. And there are a few things that he needs to fix fast. The system he's been employing recently, his 4-2-2-2, just hasn't been working well. Timo Werner still hasn't learnt what offside is. It's kind of like Ted Lasso in the first series of the TV show. No, I'm asking you, can you please tell me what offside is? Makes no sense. And, you know, I already know that I've got another Ted Lasso reference coming, so, you know, two in the episode, that's quite good. But Timo Werner doesn't seem to have any understanding of the offside rule. Andre Silva and Emil Forsberg were completely quiet in this game. The midfield duo of Lima and Campbell can't seem to string proper passes together and to be honest when Marco Rosa talks about this team he just sort of keeps saying well we're not doing the basics right at some point he needs to start figuring out what other excuses he can give because he just keeps saying the same thing after every single defeat and it's getting a bit boring so yeah Marco Rosa's honeymoon period at Leipzig definitely over and a lot to do if he wants to keep his job heading into next season Wolfsburg 2, Augsburg 2. Obviously, we mentioned that Nico Kovac had turned down an approach from Tottenham in midweek. And his squad at first seemed to be wanting to do a good job of convincing him that, hey, maybe you should take the job. The scoring opening in the second minute, Max Arnold with a fantastic header straight into the top corner. Nothing that Cohen Castells could do about it because it was into his own net. So the game starts poorly for Maxiano, but you know what? It's okay because in the 21st minute, Wolfsburg got a penalty and Maxiano would have the perfect chance to redeem what had happened to make up for his own goal and he blazed it straight over. It is surprising when a player as good as Maxi Arnold, a dead ball specialist, just flat out misses the target from a penalty, was straight over the top. And it was like that scene in the Ted Lasso NBC advert where the player, you know, blazes his penalty off the bar and Ted goes, whoa, three points. No points. What? You got, it's got to go in. Ah, oh, come on, Maxi. You got to get it in to get three points. One point. It was exactly the same uh, as that. So that's two Ted Lasso references for the day. So yeah, more insult to more injury was to come after that because Merging Berisher would give Augsburg a 2-0 lead in the 32nd minute. Arnie Engels with a really good pass through to him and then a neat finish from Berisher. Obviously celebrating his call-up to the German national team. He did play in one of the games. Was it the Peru game? I think it was a Peru game. I can't remember off the top of my head. I definitely remember writing it in the article I did about this game. And if you want to find out more about the game that Merge and Bevish are playing in, you're going to have to read it on the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com. Not a great start to the game for Wolfsburg, but to be honest, they were dominating most of this match. They were the better side for most of this match as well. And they would come back into the game, albeit they would leave it quite late. The 83rd minute, Maxi Arnold finally doing something good in this game. His cross was volleyed in by Luca Volschmidt to make it 2-1. Not given originally, but the AR overturned it, having looked 
out to the footage. Again, it was a correct decision from them. And then in the 96th minute, Wolfsburg would get a more than deserved equaliser. Felix Metcher with a header from a Kevin Paredes cross. Wolfsburg were easily the better side through this game. They had a majority of possession and chances in the first half, but in the second half, they were much more clinical. I think it was the introduction of Paredes about the hour mark that really made the difference because they were good before that, but they were even better after that. And to be honest, Wolfsburg could have easily won this game if it wasn't just for those mistakes at the beginning, then they would have won 23 shots to three in this game. So they absolutely dominated. They had 66% of possession. And if it wasn't for that own goal and the one really good chance that Merging Berisher took, then this would have been a win for Wolfsburg. Still, it's five unbeaten for De Wolfer, and after slipping down the table, they are more than back in the race for Europe. Union Berlin 3, Stuttgart 0 in one of the least surprising results of the weekend. The first half was absolutely terrible. The only notable moment from it was that Stuttgart had a goal disallowed for a handball, very blatant as well from Juan Pereira. I think he knew it was going to happen immediately. In all fairness to him, the ball was flying towards his face, so he did what we all would naturally do in that position. We put our hands up to cover our face, and, and yeah, it was always going to be disallowed. But after buying the second half, Union Berlin finally started to take control of the game like we expected them to. In the 51st minute, they would take the lead. Jerome Roussillon's cross volleyed in by Geraldo Becker. He had to get his leg right up there to get it. So credit to him, a really acrobatic finish from Becker. In the 65th minute, it would be 2-0. Kevin Behrens capitalising on, we'll say, not great defending from Stuttgart to score. Geraldo Becker played an amazing volleyed cross into the box. It looped right up into the air, probably to the size of the stands, and then came back down. Behrens able to capitalise in the end. And then just 15 seconds after kickoff, Union Berlin would make it 3-0. Genki Havaguchi getting his third goal for Union Berlin. And if you're thinking, that's strange, because I swear he left in January. Yeah, he did. He plays to Stuttgart now. It's an own goal. But, you know, it's third for the club. It's, you know, let's try and paint it as a positive. Let's look for the positives in these situations. He'd only scored two for Union Berlin before that. He got his third. Very good for him. Okay, not really. But that was all she wrote. Union Berlin were the better side through this game, which is really not a surprise and the era of Bruno Labbadia has been really really negative for Stuttgart he was still sticking with the same 5-4-1 formation in this game that just does not suit this side whatsoever you'd think he'd try and adapt to the squad he has or change some things try and mix things up he has rotated the squad around a lot and it has Never worked for him, and this was just another example of how bad this side have been under him. One win in 12 Bundesliga games, also obviously that win against Paderborn in the DFB Pakal. But there has been an unwillingness from Labadier to change, and there were reports after the match that Stuttgart were trying to replace him, but couldn't find anyone who wanted to. <laughs> which was absolutely just, it must have been the most depressing thing for any Stuttgart fan to read. But luckily, just as I was about to start recording this podcast, they did find someone. Bruno Labbadia has been sacked as the manager of Stuttgart and has been replaced by Sebastian Hernes. Hernes, of course, hasn't been out of club management for too long. He was previously the manager at Hoffenheim, where he managed them from 2020 till 2022. He had them playing really well in the first half of the 2021-22 season, had them on course a Champions League spot, but then that drastic slide towards the end of the season meant that he lost his job and was replaced in the end by Andre Breitenreiter. But he has shown a lot of promise, particularly in that role as the Hoffenheim boss. He had them playing well at points and... Fingers crossed he will be a significant upgrade on Labadia. I do think that he probably plays a style of football that is more favourable to this Stuttgart side. Though, to be honest, it would be hard to find somebody who plays less favourable football for this Stuttgart side than Bruno Labadia. 
but it is a decent appointment and he does have some knowledge of Stuttgart as well because he was in the Stuttgart youth team before moving on to play for Hertha Berlin's amateur side. So fingers crossed a good move for Hernus and a good move for Stuttgart as well. A much needed one, I think it's more than safe to say. Eintracht Frankfurt won, Bochum won. Every point's a good point for Bochum. When you're travelling away to a side fighting for European qualification, you get a point off them. There's a relegation struggle of that is good. This game wasn't particularly all that. And the scoring was over relatively quickly as well. Bochum opened the scoring in the 14th minute. Takuma Sano scoring. A bit of controversy with this one because for a start, it came from a throw-in. And the throw-in was taken in the wrong position. The highlights package I saw showed where the throw-in should have been taken from and where it was taken from. And said there was a six-metre difference, which is some. So, not particularly great. And also, arguably, it shouldn't have been a throw-in to Bochum in the first place because the replay showed that... Well, not arguably, it shouldn't have been a throw-in to Bochum in the first place because it came off a Bochum player last... In all fairness, I'm not going to be too critical to the referee about that because obviously we don't have VAR for throw-ins in any league. And I think all of us are in agreement that we shouldn't do VAR for throw-ins because it's just not worth it. But it was a scrap between two Frankfurt players and a Bokken player at the sideline and it went out. And it did at first look like it came off a Frankfurt player last. I thought it was going to be a Bokum throw-in. The referee gave it, but then on replay it was clear that it should have actually been a Frankfurt throw-in. Again, the referee shouldn't be criticised too much for that. The throw-in being taken six metres away from where it should have been, well, the linesman probably has to do better there. But to be honest, I don't think there's too much to complain about with that decision. It's wrong, but... Not massively egregious. I'm sure Frankfurt fans will massively disagree. Anyway, Frankfurt would get a penalty in the 22nd minute. It was a correct call. Rando Colomwani would score. Just continuing to be absolutely sensational for them. And then there were two more penalty claims for Eintracht Frankfurt in this game. First one, Christopher Antwia J bringing down Valio Buta inside the box. That should have been a penalty. I am stunned it wasn't given. Frankfurt did then also claim for a third penalty for handball, but that one would have been the wrong call. It was too close to the player's body for it to be a proper handball. So I did agree with the referee on that one. So Frankfurt will complain, obviously, with the nature of the goal that was scored against them. And then the penalty that should have been given for them. And maybe they'll argue about the penalty that shouldn't and say that it should, but it shouldn't have. But anyway... Frankfurt do have reasons to complain about how this game went. And they were eased of a better side through this match as well. 73% possession, over double the number of shots of Bochum. They will be stunned they didn't get a point from this game. For Bochum though, they will be more than glad to take a point away from Frankfurt. Deutsche Bank Park, not exactly the easiest place to play. Another European contender who dropped points against a relegation struggler were Freiburg. Freiburg won, Hertha Berlin won, all of the scoring coming in the second half. First from Freiburg in the 52nd minute and you will be stunned, simply floored when I tell you that it was a Vincenzo Grifo free kick that gave Freiburg the lead. Insert shocked Pikachu meme here. Into the bottom corner with help from Togo Sigerschi, the Hertha player, to get it over the keeper. But Hertha would equalise in the 77th minute. Jessic and Gankam stripping the ball off Jonathan Schmid to score. Freiburg players complained about it, but to be honest, I think it was a correct decision to allow play to continue in for the goal to be given because, well, to be honest, Schmidt just should have been a bit stronger in that situation. One all the final score. Hertha, arguably the better of the two sides. Freiburg created a lot of opportunities, but they never had any real strong shots to challenge Oliver Christensen in the Hertha Berlin goal. So, Hertha getting a point, probably not the biggest surprise here. Schalke nil, Bayer Leverkusen 3, another easy win for Xabi Alonso and company over Schalke. Obviously, his first game in charge of the club was against Schalke. That was a 4-0 win, this one being a 3-0 win. 
Schalke did hold on through the first half. They held on exclusively because of Ralph Farman, who had a really, really good first half. He was playing phenomenally, especially that moment when he rushed out and had that sliding tackle to clear the ball from a Bailev who's an attacker. That was absolutely fantastic. He made a few really impressive saves through this game, but Bayer Leverkusen just kept increasing the pressure on him, and eventually that would show. Leverkusen opening the scoring in the 50th minute. Great passing play to set up Jeremy Fringpong at the back post. A fantastic pass by Mustiabi across the goal to get the ball to him. Next, it was Florian Wirtz and Amin Adley who would pass between each other. Fantastic passing play again with the former scoring. And then in the 92nd minute, Sardar Azmoun would head in a Musa Diaby cross. There can be no debate about this. Obviously, by Leverkusen, the better of the two sides. It showed in this game, quite convincingly, a very strong win for them. Meanwhile, Schalke 17th in the league table, just one point ahead of Stuttgart in last, but also just one point behind Hertha Berlin in 16th and four points behind Hoffenheim in 15th. Werder Bremen 1, Hoffenheim 2. After not being able to win since October, Hoffenheim have now won two games on the bounce, so their wins are like London buses. The first half of this game was not particularly that good, but just five minutes into the second half, Hoffenheim would take the lead. They'd get a second in the 52nd minute, and to be honest, both goals were pretty much the exact same. Hoffenheim out wide, Werder not closing down enough and not pressuring the attackers. Ball crossed into the box and an attacker managing to get open to score. The first goal, it was Angelino crossing in for an Andre Kamovic header. The second time, it was Pavel Kaderbebek crossing in for the head of Christoph Baumgartner. And with both goals, the defence from Werder was absolutely terrible. The closing down for the first one, Mitchell Weiser, not good enough. And then it was Anthony Young, who was at fault for the second goal. Amos Pieper would get one back in the 76th minute, but it wasn't enough in the end. Werder did almost get a penalty after that as well. In, I believe it was the 96th minute, so it would have been a really dramatic equaliser. But it was correctly judged that a penalty shouldn't be given because there was an offside in the build-up. So, Hoffenheim getting their second win in a row. They were probably just about the best side in this game, though they did capitalise off poor their defending for both of their goals. Credit to Pellegrino Matarazzo because he was on the verge of losing his job. We mentioned it on this podcast that he was in a win-or-get-sack situation. He's now won two on the bounce, and he does look like, at the moment, he could keep Hoffenheim up in the Bundesliga. They are three points clear of Hertha Berlin in 16th place. Meanwhile, Feder Bremen, they're not entirely out of it yet, only on 31 points, but two wins and they will be safe. Köln versus Borussia Mönchengladbach for Rhein Derby, one of the games we most look forward to in the German football calendar, and this was bad. 0-0, a really boring game. There's only really one notable moment, which was a penalty shout for Borussia Mönchengladbach early on, Florian Neuhaus, going down in the box after contact from Thibaut Hubers. Now, the thing about this is it's both a penalty and not a penalty, because if you look at the contact by itself, it definitely was enough for a penalty. Hubers getting his leg into the back of the leg of Florian Neuhaus, that caused him to go to ground. It was a clear penalty from that position, but... And I was surprised that the commentators on the World Feed didn't mention this, but there was a clear foul in the build-up from Marcus Tram on Jonas Heck, so he essentially just shoved him to the ground, and so that would have negated the penalty anyway. VAR did look at the penalty call, but decided to not ask the referee to look at the monitor. He just said, no penalty, it's fine, and I think that's why, because it was a foul in the build-up against Marcus Taram, and it should have been a free kick, but nothing came of it, so it didn't really matter. But 0-0 in the end, and this really wasn't a good game to watch. And I think that covers the Bundesliga, so that's good. There's no other games to talk about. Really, really good review, that. Now, do you know, I'm sure there was something else I was meant to mention. What was it? Oh, yeah, Nico Kovac has turned down the Tottenham... No, it wasn't that, I've already mentioned that. Cohn had been handed a transfer... No, no, it wasn't that, I mentioned the transfer ban. Julian Nagelsmann to Chelsea? No, I've mentioned that. What was it? 
<sighs> Let's just get into it. Dortmund lost to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich have taken the lead of the league again. It was 4-2. It was an incredibly disappointing game for all involved. Except for Oliver Kahn, I guess, who gets to pretend that he was right about firing Nagels, but even though he categorically wasn't. I want to take you back to the 16th of October and to the 10th match day of the Bundesliga season when Borussia Dortmund travelled to Union Berlin. The game before that was their classicer, and it was noted that Alexander Meyer had made some mistakes in that game that had contributed to Bayern Munich getting a point. But luckily... For the game against Union Berlin, Gregor Kerbel was back. And everyone thought that was fantastic. Great that he's back. This is not only going to help Borussia Dortmund win this game, but also, considering how good he is, this is going to help them through the rest of the season that he has now returned. In the eighth minute, a ball was played back to him. He slipped and allowed Yannick Haberer to score the easiest of opportunities. It was a massive blunder from Kerbel. And after that, the Dortmund players' heads went down. They weren't able to recover. And Union Berlin won 2-0. And it was that Kerbal mistake that was really the catalyst of that defeat. So let's flash forward into April of this year. And they're playing Bayern Munich in their Klassiker. Alexander Meyer had started the previous game for Dortmund before the international break against Köln. But... Good news, Gregor Kerbel is back. And considering the start that he had had to 2023, this was really good news for them as they wanted to continue their title push. However, in the 13th minute, a ball would be played back to him and Kerbel, kind of like a Major League Baseball player, would take a big old swing at the ball and would have a swing and a miss as it would roll innocently by him and go into his own net. It is one of the worst blunders a goalkeeper has ever committed. But it came in their classicer with the title on the line makes it significantly worse. There are very few goalkeeper errors I can think of that were more catastrophic or more stupid than this. I mean, it's the real golden tier of goalie bloopers. It's Massimo Taibi against Southampton for Man United. It's Sebastian Kolka earlier this season just forgetting where he was. It's Mark Flecken for Duisburg against Ingolstadt. It is that level of blooper. It is one of the ones that you really just cannot explain at all. It is shocking. You wouldn't expect that from any level of goalkeeper, let alone somebody who's been given the chance to be the goalkeeper for Borussia Dortmund. And Kerbal is a good keeper for the most part, but he does have the spectacular mistake within him, and he did it again. And... As Thomas Muller said after the game, I fully believe him when he said that Dorman players were coming up to him and saying that goal just completely flattened us because after that, it was such a punch to the stomach that the Dortmund players' heads went down just like they did in the game against Union Berlin and after that, Bayern Munich just ran all over them. They would be 4-0 up by the 50th minute. The other goals coming, two from Thomas Muller, one from Kingsley Coman. And yes, Dortmund did try and threaten a comeback. Emre Chan scored from the penalty spot. Danielle Marlin would add another in the 90th minute. But we all knew they weren't going to come back into this game. And it just continues a long-running theme. Perhaps the most notable theme of Bayern's success over these last 10 years, which is that Dortmund just cannot play against Bayern Munich. Mentality-wise, they essentially just wet the bed figuratively of course, every time they come up against Bayern. Last time we talked about their classic, we talked about Borussia Dortmund's record in the game since Bayern started winning all their titles and how bad it was, but perhaps even more damning, Opta fans after the game said, Bayern have now won their ninth Bundesliga home match in a row against Borussia Dortmund. Against no other current Bundesliga team do Bayern have such a long winning streak at home in the league. And that is the crux of the problem for Borussia Dortmund. They just mentality-wise cannot play against Bayern Munich. 
particularly at the Allianz. Obviously, we got a point against them early on in the season at Signal Iduna Park, but more often than not, they lose to Bayern Munich, and that is why they've never been serious contenders in the title race. I mean, the difference for them, if they'd won this game, lost this game, is monumental. If they had won, they would now be four points clear at the top of the Bundesliga as opposed to two points behind. That's a six-point swing. If they had drawn, they'd obviously have still been two points clear at the top. So this loss is absolutely monumental to them, not only for their position in the league table, though, but also mentality-wise, because it was mentality. More than anything else, that cost Borussia Dortmund a chance of winning this game, and it is mentality that has also cost them any chance of winning the Bundesliga over the last 10 years. I don't care what Dortmund fans say. I don't care what excuse they have about oh, the financial disparity. Fact is, teams have overcome bigger financial disparities over the last 10 years to win leagues. If Leicester can do it, you have no excuse for Russia Dortmund. And that's the crux. Oh, also, Lille against PSG. I don't know if we remember that. But... That's the crux of the problem. It's not finances. It's never been finances. It's mentality that is costing Dortmund. Anyway, let's round up with a look at the Bundesliga table then. As mentioned, Bayern Munich are now two points clear at the top of the league of Borussia Dortmund in third place. And still very technically in the title race. I mean, we'd love to see it, wouldn't we? Union Berlin, 51 points. Bayern, 55. Dortmund, 53. Freiburg are fourth on 47 points. Meanwhile, Leipzig, fifth on 45. Frankfurt, sixth on 41. And Leverkusen, seventh. Round up what are going to be the European places. Obviously, seventh at the moment isn't European place, but... Considering the, the win of the DFB Pakal is almost certainly going to be one of those top six sides, but it, it is going to become a European place. Anyway, Mainz on 40 and Wolfsburg on 39 are also in the battle for Europe. At the wrong end of the table, Stuttgart, bottom of the table on 20 points from 26 games. Schalke on 21 and Hertha on 22. Are the other teams in the relegation places? Hoffenheim on 25, Bochum 26, Köln 28. Augsburg 29, Bremen 31 and Mönchengladbach 32 all still in the relegation battle, very technically with some of them. But that rounds up the Bundesliga table. Okay, time to go into the Spider Bundesliga and like with the top flight, we do have a few news stories to go into before we start. Starting off with Hansa Rostock, who obviously sacked their manager before the international break, they do have a new man at the helm, and it's a name you will be familiar with if you really follow this fight at Bundesliga. Alwar Schwartz has taken over, obviously the former manager of, well, a host of clubs, but Nuremberg back in 2017, and Karlsruhe for about a three-year stint. He was most recently the manager of Sandhausen from 2021 through to earlier this year when he was sacked by the club for the second time. He is back in management. Didn't take too long. When was he sacked? Was it? I think it was in February. And it's taken less than a two-month break before coming back in. We will talk about how he did in his first game later on. Spoiler bad. The other big news story coming out of the Spider Bundesliga, Mario Vuskovic, the HSV defender, has been banned for two years for use of an illegal substance. EPO was found in his system, or traces of EPO were found in his system after a blood test. The thing about EPO is that it's got a very narrow window of being able to be fully detected, but... If they find any trace at all, even the most minute amount, it does normally imply that you've been doping. That was the case with Mario Vuskovic. Obviously, HSV fans and Croatia football fans have been up in arms. But to be honest, as somebody who has watched cycling and obviously saw cycling's dark age, I have no difficulties making the stretch of the imagination of an athlete doping. I mean, massive shock. Vuskovic does have the chance to appeal and he will absolutely appeal because everyone does. So that ban will most likely be reduced down to a year. But yeah, I don't think there could be too many doubts about the fact that Vuskovic was doping. Anyway, let's not talk about things like that because that's saddening. Let's talk about the only thing we want to talk about. St. Pauli won. Jan Regensburg nil. It means that St. Pauli have won no games in a row. 
no wait, sorry, I got that wrong translation either. St. Pauli have won nine games in a row. And yes, that might be the worst pun that's ever been uttered on this podcast, but I think I'm allowed to make it because I am very happy about how St. Pauli have been playing recently. This wasn't the best game by any metric, not only in St. Pauli's fantastic run that they've been on, but also just from an entertainment perspective. The only goal of the game would come in the 23rd minute carnage being caused by a looping header and it was either turned in to the net by Dapo Afalayan or Princess Owusu scoring an own goal. It looked more like it was Princess Owusu and that's what the Bundesliga has said since but let's just pretend it was Dapo because everyone's happier if it's Dapo. He gets his goal bonus, he gets to say he scored another goal. Princess Owusu doesn't have an own goal go against his name. So, you know, everyone wins by saying that. So I'm just going to say Dapo Afalayan scored because that's just better for all of us. So Paoli did really ride their luck sometimes. Vasily in particular, he made some really good saves in this game. He was pressured a lot and he did make some great saves, but also he did make some bad mistakes. There was one point where he passed the ball straight out to tennis Borussia Berlin legend Blendy Idrisi. <laughs> I should probably have said something about that. The latest episode of the Thousand Hours podcast is coming out soon. In fact, it probably is out by the time you're listening to this. So give that a listen. I will hopefully remember to link to the podcast in the description, though if I haven't, that's because I was packing a suitcase at the same time as exporting the podcast so that's that's why anyway Blandy Idrisi tennis Borussia Berlin legend not having as good a go of it in this game neither did Jan Regensburg they did have their chances they were the best side but St. Pauli did hold on for the win their ninth win in a row and I know what you're thinking because you've probably looked at the Spider Bundesliga table at this point and you want me to answer I mean could they I'm not thinking about it I'm not thinking about it. Obviously, next week, they're in the Sport Iron Saturday Night Broadcast against Heidenheim, and they're playing HSV in a few weeks' time. Those two games will determine everything for St. Paulo this season. But I think, regardless of what happens, it's been a phenomenal success, considering that this squad were in the relegation places, entering the new year, and we're looking like they were only going to be in a relegation battle for the rest of the season. This turnaround from Fabian Herzler has been absolutely sensational. My only hope at this point, really, is that we get to see him managing St. Pauli for a few more years without him being poached by a Bundesliga club, please and thank you. But nine wins in a row, everything is fantastic at St. Pauli at the moment. Let's go on to the best game from the Spider Bundesliga then this weekend. Kaiserslautern 2, Heidenheim 2. Really good game this one. The first half, eh, not so much, but the second half, absolutely fantastic. The scoring being opened in the 53rd minute. Tim Kleindienst with a good finish into the bottom corner, but not as good as the second goal from Heidenheim. The goal of the weekend in the Spider Bundesliga, Florian Pick with a truly sensational goal, an amazing hit from outside the box, first time, curving over the head of Andreas Luther and into the top corner, a real goal of the season contender, much like a joke in the Bundesliga. If there's only one thing you watch from the Spider Bundesliga this weekend, make it the highlights to the Kaiserslautern Heidenheim game, because you also have to see how this game ended. It looked like Heidenheim were coasting to a clear victory. They had been playing really well. They were better side through most of this game. And in the 91st minute, they had a penalty to make it 3-0. But Tim Kleindians would miss. He hit the post. And I'll tell you what I wrote in my notes, word for word. Kleindians misses a penalty in the 91st minute to make it 3-0. Who cares? Because, you know, they're 2-0 up. It's the 91st minute. They've been playing so well. There's only three more minutes to go because it was four minutes out of time. So, you know, it's going to be absolutely fine. And then, in the 93rd minute, I wrote 2-1 consolation goal. It was a really good finish from Nicolas de Paville from outside the box, curling into the top corner. Not as good as the Florian Pick goal, but still a fantastic goal. But I wrote consolation 
So I would like to apologise to Heidenheim fans for jinxing them because in the 95th minute, Philip Hersher would make it to all. Heidenheim completely collapsed after that missed penalty. It's almost like their confidence had been completely shattered. Kai Slouten saw Root back into the game. They started pressing. They got back on in the 93rd minute. They continued pressing after that. And Philip Hersher would score the ball, falling perfectly to him in the middle of the box and he was able to convert past Heidenheim keeper Kevin Muller. So a fantastic result for Kaiserslautern being able to get those two late goals. Heidenheim, this could be a devastating blow to them because they, as we will mention, had a chance to open up a gap to Hamburger and also keep the gap to Darmstadt close and this collapse has obviously not helped with that. They'll be looking for a big turnaround performance next week against St. Pauli, which please don't. Anyway, Nuremberg nil, Darmstadt won. Not the most inspiring game from Darmstadt, but good sides do win ugly. Darmstadt only had one of their 14 shots hit the target and they did score one. But it wasn't even their only shot on target. The only goal of the game coming from Christopher Schindler putting it in his own net. Really unconvincing from Darmstadt. But a win is a win and I'm sure they will not be complaining as they open up a small gap at the top of the Spider Bundesliga. They are currently four points clear of Heidenheim and five points clear of HSV. And they're five points clear of HSV because they were only able to draw two all with Fortuna Dusseldorf and former manager Daniel Thion. They opened for scoring in the fifth minute. They were given a penalty. Glatzel was brought down in the box. Laszlo Benet would take the penalty and see his shot saved by Florian Kastenmeyer, but he was able to turn in the rebound and save his blushes. After that, Fortuna Dusseldorf did take control of the rest of the first half. Two goals coming in a seven-minute window. First one in the 21st minute, David Koronaki with a header. Oh, sorry, I completely forgot to mention. When Laszlo Benet scored his penalty, he held up the shirt of Mario Vuskovic, you know, the known doper. And I think the football gods wanted to punish them for that. So Koronaki scored with a header and then just seven minutes after that, Rowan Hennings with a well-placed header on for Robert Klaus, was able to run through one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, Daniel Hoy-Fernandez, and score. Hamburger, give them credit, though, were easily the better side of the second half, and they did get a goal in the 75th minute to rescue a point. At first, it looked like Sonny Kittle had had a great chip over the keeper. Absolutely fantastic. Really well taken. You know, to be able to do that with that much pressure, absolutely fantastic. However, the replay showed that it was actually Christoph Klaver who chipped his own keeper and put it into his own net. I mean, honestly, fantastic finish. I was ready to write a really glowing thing about how good the finish was from Sonny Kittle. And then I looked, I was like, Oh, he didn't touch the ball at all. <laughs> so, that was weird. But anyway, a two-all draw in the end. Hamburger would have a man sent off in the 89th minute. Francisco Montero sent off a second yellow card. It was the correct call. And Dusseldorf did have their chances after that. But they weren't able to convert any of them. I think a draw was probably the correct result. Paderborn 3, Greutherford 2. A good win for Lucas Krasniok and company as they keep their slim hopes of promotion up by the way they're only one point behind St Pauli but that says more about my views of St Pauli's chances of promotion than it does about my views about Paderborn anyway they would open the scoring Paderborn in the 13th minute Ron Schallenberg scoring from a corner Firth would have a goal disallowed in the first half correctly for a foul of a build-up from Bonamir Hergotta and then after the second half kickoff, Laurent Musselier would score in the 61st minute from a free kick. This one, though, really on first goalkeeper Leon Shafran, who had a chance to make a save but just saw the ball slip through his hands. It was good apart from that, in all fact. Well, it was okay apart from that. Anyway, Paderborn would take a 3 0 lead in the 76th minute. Sir Lord Conter with a neat chip over the keeper. And despite the fact that Firth had played really well up until that point, those three chances that Paderborn had had given them a 3-0 lead. It was a much more even game than that up until that point. 
After that, Greuterfurth did start to mount a comeback in the 82nd minute. Dixon Abiyama would score a spill from the Paderborn keeper, Yannick Hoof, being responsible for allowing him to score. Not a good day for keepers, both of them making errors. Then, Branimir Hirota would score in the 87th minute to make it 3-2, fighting his way through the box to score. Really impressive from the Firth star man, and one of the best goals he scored this season. But it wasn't enough. Firth easily could have got a point from this, especially if they hadn't made a few poor mistakes early on in the match, but Paderborn did just about enough in the end to hold on to the win. Holstein Kiel 2, Armenia Bielefeld 3. Bielefeld have been looking far better since Uvekoshinat took over at the club. This was another good game for them. They opened for scoring in the 11th minute. Frederick Yaikul capitalising on some poor Kiel defending from a corner. In the 29th minute, they would make it 2 0. Messiah Okugawa playing a great ball through to Robin Hack as he neatly slotted into the bottom corner. Those two being absolutely sensational for Bielefeld all season, but obviously they've stepped up their game even more in this recent run. However, just three minutes after that, Holstein Kiel would get back into the game, and it's everyone's favourite player who scored, Steven Skribski. Essentially just passing the ball into the net after a really good ground cross from Lewis Holtby. In the second half, Masao Kagawa would get a goal for himself after previously setting up Robin Hack. A really neat finish from the edge of the box into the bottom corner from him as well. And whilst for Johnson would get one back for Holstein Kiel in the 67th minute, it wasn't enough. Armini Bielefeld did deserve to win the game and they're still only two points clear of the drop, but they are definitely moving in the correct direction just in terms of overall performances more than anything else. They're also moving in the correct direction of the table, obviously. Hanover 3, Sandhausen 1, Christian Kinsombi would give Sandhausen the lead in the 14th minute, but after that, Hanover were the better side. Sandhausen... Did have a few chances after the first goal to make it 2-0. And if they'd converted one of them, then maybe it's a different game. But Hanover were the better side overall. Stefan Leitl's men did deserve to win. They got their first goal in added time of the first half. Maxi Bayer turning in a Derek Kern cross. It would then be Kern who would score the second of the 61st minute. A really good through ball by Cedric Touchere for that and then in the 88th minute Louis Schaub would complete the goal scoring for Hanover a good performance from them after a rocky start to the game but Stefan Leitl's men getting into the top half of the table as a result of this victory Magdeburg against Hansa Rostock this was Arwar Schwartz's first game in charge of Hansa and like I said earlier, it didn't exactly go too well for him. 3-0 defeat in the end. The first goal coming in the 29th minute for Magdeburg. Amara Conde shot, taking quite the favourable deflection before going in. Early on in the second half, John Verhoek would get sent off for Hansa Vostok, a second bookable offence for lashing out at a defender during a goal kick. It was... The correct decision to give him a yellow card. I realised the language about lashing out might imply that it should have been a straight red. It wasn't. It was a bit of, you know, back and forth between the defender and Verhoek. And he sort of just lashed out a bit too much. Anyway, just two minutes after that, Magdeburg would be 2-0 up. Really good one-hit through ball from Mohamed Alhankuri playing through Jason Saker as he slotted past the goalkeeper, one of the better assists of the round. And Chaker would get another one of the 70th minutes, make it 3-0, cutting inside the defender and slotting into the bottom corner. A really good win for Magdeburg, easily the better side throughout the game and opening a valuable gap to the relegation places. Hans of Ostock currently in 17th, so a lot of work for our Walsh Schwartz to do for the final eight games of the season. Final game to mention then, Karlsruhe won... Eintracht Braunschweig won. The visitors getting off to a really fast start in this game. Leon Lauberbach, who I still want to call Lion Lauberbach, scoring one of the more impressive goals of the weekend from a very narrow angle over the head of Karlsruhe keeper Marius Gersbeck. Maurice Multaup would score a second for Braunschweig in the second half, but it was disallowed for a clear foul in the build-up. To be honest, it was quite funny because... 
the referee looked like he was going to put his whistle in his mouth about three times to call for a foul, but then it was like, I should probably let this play on and see what VAR has to say. So it was like, oh, gonna gonna blow for it. Oh, no, wait, no, I'm not. No, I'm going to blow for it. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm going to blow for it. No, I'm not. And eventually, Braunschweig would score, and then he went over to the monitor to have a look, and he disallowed the goal. That he, I think he was going to disallow anyway before. Anyway, cars were would equalise after the 69th minute. Leon Jansen with far too much space in the middle of the box. Maybe that was part of the reason why Yasmin Fejic was so fed up. He had been yellow carded in the 64th minute. He would get a second yellow card, the Braunschweig goalkeeper, for shouting at the referee just after that goal. When will players learn not to have a go at the ref whilst on a yellow card? Anyway, Karlsruhe will be stunned that they didn't win this because, well, actually, they won't be that stunned. It's clear why they didn't win. They didn't convert the many chances they had. By the way, the second Braunschweig goalkeeper also got yellow carded, Ron Forben Hoffman for, I think, time-wasting. But three goalkeeper yellow cards in one match is quite fascinating. Anyway, Karlsruhe will not be fascinated. They'll be frustrated with how this game went. Anyway, let's have a look at the Spider Bundesliga table. Then after 26 match days, Darmstadt still lead the way. 55 points. They are four points clear of Heidenheim in second and five points clear of HSV in third there on 50 points. It's been a six-point drop down to fourth place, St. Pauli on 44. Paderborn and Fortuna Dusseldorf in fifth and sixth on 43 points have also still very slightly in the race for promotion. At the wrong end of the table, Sandhausen still bottom of the league, 21 points. They're four points behind Hans Rostock. On 25, Jan Regensburg on 26, round out the relegation places. Then it's Eintracht Braunschweig in 15th on 26, Armenia Bielefeld in 14th on 28, Nuremberg in 13th on 29, and Magdeburg in 11th on 31, who are seriously under threat of relegation. I guess you could also say 10th Holstein Kiel, 9th Hanover on 34 points each, and 8th Karlsruhe on 35 also. Still in the relegation battle themselves, but they're only a matter of wins away from safety. Dritter Liga time, and with Alversberg out of action this week, it allowed Freiburg to potentially close the gap to the league leaders with eight games to go. They were not able to do that, though, losing 2-0 away at Rotweiss Essen. They kind of won their third game in a row. They did it in exciting circumstances as well with a 4-3 win over Zwakau. So they hold on to a second automatic promotion spot. Dynamo Dresden in that third spot, having won 1-0 away at Osnabrück. Then it's Saarbrücken in fifth place and outside of promotion places, obviously. Dynamo Dresden in the playoff place. On 52 points after a 2-1 win over Wardorf Mannheim, as mentioned, Osnabrück and Mannheim losing. It's Mannheim's third loss on the bounce and really started to distance them from the promotion places. Victoria Köln started to charge up the table, though. They've won their third game in a row after a 2-1 win at home to Verl. At the wrong end of the table, Meppen are struggling still. They lost 3-0 to Bayvoy, who are now out of relegation places after two straight wins. Fakau, as mentioned, lost 4-3 to Vehan. They're four points away from safety. Oldenburg also four points away after a 1-0 loss to Ezebergi. Al Halasher have drawn five on the bounce now. 0-0 draw with Russia Dortmund Schreiber. They're in the relegation places because of Bayvoy's win over Meppen. Okay, it's now time for Top Spiel der Woche. Because obviously we have matches in midweek in the DFB Pokal. It is the quarterfinals of the Cup. The games to remind you, Eintracht Frankfurt against Union Berlin, Bayern Munich against Freiburg, Nuremberg against Stuttgart and Leipzig against Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, for me, the best of those games is Eintracht Frankfurt against Union Berlin. For the first time this year, by the way, I get to say all times given in Central European summertime. If you're in the UK, knock off one hour. See, we're on the way to nice weather. It is a six o'clock kickoff tomorrow night. In the Bundesliga, my game of the weekend, Borussia Dortmund against Union Berlin, Saturday at 3.30. Dortmund looking to bounce back from that defeat in their Klassiker Union Berlin. Meanwhile, 
looking very strong for Champions League place at the moment with eight games to go. They are six points clear of fifth place Leipzig. So every chance to get into the Champions League, which would be absolutely insane. In the Sveita Bundesliga, I'm going to go for the Sport Ein Saturday Night Broadcast. Of course, I have to. Heidenheim against St. Pauli. St. Pauli have won nine games in a row, going for their 10th. Meanwhile, Heidenheim... Having that disappointing result against Kaiserslautern last week, we'll be looking for a bounce-back performance to keep them close with Darmstadt. Final game to mention then in the Dritter Liga, my game of the weekend, is Alversberg against Victoria Köln. Alversberg obviously having the week off, as mentioned, they'll be looking to get back into form in the league. It's a, by the way, Monday, 7 o'clock kickoff meanwhile victoria kiln having won three on the bounce are on the edges of a potential promotion race they're seven points off dinamo dresden with eight games to go if they keep this form up with how up and down the teams have been in the dritter league this year they have every chance of catching up to them anyway that's all the time we have on going deutsch this week next week's episode will be slightly delayed because of my travel arrangements as mentioned i hope to Fill you in on how good the Stadion and Alta first try is to at least look at. And hopefully we'll have a lot of good football to talk about as well from the league and of course from the cup. But for the time being, I've been Alex Woodward and until we meet again, I'll be the same.